right, this is Al Vans coming at you from Studio 2. Got my good friend Josh Raymond in the house. How you doing, Josh? Al, I couldn't be better. Awesome. Awesome. I love to hear it. Um, yeah, so this is episode 63, right? We, this is our first uh, high school state tournament recap of the, of the year. High school state tournament recap of the Isn't year. Is that what we normally do this time of year? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> The Alaska High School State Tournament is in the books, Josh Raymond. Isn't that goofy? It is crazy. Uh, that is how their wrestling season is actually done already. I don't know. I'm not sure if they start, you know, way earlier or it's just a super short season or what. But I saw that that, that one was in the books. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that we we should look we could look that up and see how um you know, we know some kids up there and see we how do. they did. That is, yeah, they're, I can't remember the significance of, like, they just start earlier. Yeah, they're like, they're done by Christmas time. Yeah. Their their school year may be way different than all the way down south in Minnesota. Yes, <laughs> so, all the way down south. So, yeah, uh, great news. I actually got to attend some high school wrestling last week, and it was awesome. Um, what do you say... What do you say before we get going on the high school stuff? Let's talk just a little bit of college. Um, Augsburg has not been uh, on the mat lately, so there's none of that. But I kind of want to start, Josh. I want to address this this ducking situation, right? It's a big problem in college wrestling. Um, guys talking about uh, wrestlers ducking other guys, and and it happens all the time. There's a duel recently, Cornell and Iowa State, where it happened two or three times. You know what? To be honest, I would love to chat about that, and you can kind of give us the you know you're my go-to for college wrestling. So maybe you could. Uh, I'm going to kind of lean on you for this segment. Well, sure. I mean, look, right now there's there's no penalty for ducking guys. None. None. You, you are not punished whatsoever. So a good good example of this kid named Julian Ramirez from Cornell, really good kid, 165 pounder, went out to Vegas and beat David Carr. Right, that's a, that's a nice absolute win. hammer, right? And so, so they wrestled. Cornell and Iowa State wrestled recently, and um, Ramirez and another kid who I think had a win over an Iowa State kid out in Vegas, or a higher place at least, both were injured. They were healthy enough to get multiple major decisions earlier that day, but then they came up a little gimpy. In that particular duel. Both of them. Both of them, yeah. That's, that's there was a lot of people outraged. Look, here's the deal. There, there's there's no reason not to do that for them. I, I guarantee you this, when the year started, Coach Gray out at Cornell was super excited to give Julian Ramirez two shots at David Carr if he runs across him at the Cliff Keen in Vegas and then also this duel. Yeah. Um, as it turned out, Ramirez got that first win, and so you know he didn't wrestle. The, the second time, and I can't blame him because if he loses that match, now all of a sudden it's a split and he doesn't have much for seeding criteria over Carr at the end of the year. He's not going to see him anymore this year, right? They're EIWA, Carr's Big 12. Um, Cornell's ideal situation is that that Carr beats Keegan O'Toole to Big 12s, yeah. right? And then they both have a loss and now Ramirez maybe catches a one seed at Nationals, right? Which is pretty crazy. So, Here's the deal. Here, here's how we got to do it, Josh. I think the solution, the best one I can come up with, okay. I don't know. The best one I can come up with is this. When it comes to postseason um, tournaments and trying to do seeds, you have a school and a weight class 
that has results. And whoever represents that school at that weight class gets those results. So for instance, if you're, if you're not healthy enough to wrestle and whoever the backup is, however they do, that's the result. So if, if you take a loss in a duel, um, you're quote unquote second stringer yep. at the end of the year, if your other guy's first string, he's got that loss on his, on his resume, that, that weight class and school combination has that loss. Guys will stop ducking. I promise you. What about in the case of a forfeit? Forfeits and medical forfeits have got to count as losses as well. Absolutely. I, I mean, to me, a double loss would be even better, but, but so be it, right? <laughs> yeah, you, I was fired up now. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you don't have, you know, maybe you, do, you look, maybe you're traveling. Maybe you're going all the way across the country. Maybe you're going from California to New York for the journeyman duels. And, and you literally can only take a handful of extra guys and you just don't have someone that can fill in and someone does legitimately get hurt. Yep. You have to forfeit a weight class. That's just the way it is. It, it's still a loss for your weight class and your school. And in the postseason, that loss comes into effect. So that lo- so the, the guy that filled in for, for Ramirez, just let me... Re- yep. Play this back on my head. The guy that filled in for Ramirez against David Carr and lost. Yep. And come the come the postseason, that loss goes on Julian Ramirez's record. If Ramirez happens to be the best guy for Cornell in the postseason, yes, that counts. Okay. And and guys stop ducking. Look, I like it. There's very few situations where it's actually going to hurt. Um, let's say someone is. Let's say Ramirez really was hurt, right? Like he was legitimately hurt. That's unfortunate. But that's so rare compared to actual ducks, and it happens over and over. And and I see guys on the internet talk about, oh, Dayton Fix has never ducked anybody in his life. He didn't duck Ryan Crookham, blah, blah, blah. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. I think he did, but maybe he didn't. If he didn't, that's okay. He wasn't good enough on that particular day when he was scheduled to wrestle Crookham to beat him. So that's a loss for Okie State's 133 versus Crookham. Period. I, I like it. It's easy. I, yep. It's simple. Well, what about this? What if everyone, they just accept the fact that they're going to have three, four losses going into the postseason, and it just evolves downstream a little bit? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, there's no downside now. There's no downside to Ramirez wrestling that match. And, and again, I luckily he's not from around here. I'm sure he doesn't listen uh, to the program, nor does his coach. You'd be surprised. <laughs> right? But, but – um, he was just the easiest example that people were upset about online, so I picked that Very one. There's recent. lots of other yeah, one examples. Of, one of the most recent ones, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, so you ask, well, there's, there's not just dual tournaments. There's open tournaments, and there's invite tournaments. So here's my thought on that. For an invite, a team typically just brings their starters, right? So whoever your starter is, however they do in that tournament, that's, that's the set of results that, that apply for your school and weight class combination. So what about an open tournament where maybe you have two or three kids <coughs> at the same uh, same bracket? Well, I think for that, you have to take the, the – each wrestler has their own set of results, right? Because you can't, you can't take four guys at 165 pounds to an open tournament and somehow have, have 15 results for your school and weight class. So wrestler A, B, C, and D, they each wrestle in the open tournament. They get their results. But at the end of the year, when it comes to time for seating purposes – and uh, both at their conference postseason and definitely at the NCAA, you say, well, Billy was 6-2 and two in open tournaments with these wins and losses against these guys, and then that school and weight combination was, you know, 34-2 and two at, at, uh, in dual and invite competition, 
and you just put it together. It's all math. Like it's not that hard. Um, people, it, it's not like it's going to be some impossible situation to figure out. It's very easy to come up with how the school did at a weight class combination for 10 weight classes and people will stop ducking. I'm telling you right now, it fixes the problem. This is a, this sounds like an easy fix to me. It is. It is easy. I mean, it is easy. People want to talk about it. It's such a hard thing to fix. It's not hard. Make the people say things generically like you have to penalize someone or make a loss count or make a forfeit count, make a duck count, right? But the easy way to do that is school and weight combination done. You know, and and you there there will be people if they really want to that can come up with examples like, well, Al, well, Josh, what about this guy at this weight class last year? And he was really hurt and it's not fair because he's going to have to be a four seed and, and he's the best guy in the country. Tough luck. Well, that's, Tough actually a real, luck. that's a real concern of mine. It's not a problem. But if you have a real, he wasn't the best guy. Injury, I mean, if you, let's say you have a, you have a wrestler, it has a significant injury. And his replacement, he misses, call it six weeks. And his yep. replacement goes two and eight, you know, while filling in for him. What 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 if the starter went? You don't know, Josh. I Because he couldn't wrestle. He was too hurt to wrestle. Well, what if he never recovers from that injury? He might not. He was unavailable to wrestle. But what I mean, taking that, what if he's what if he's far better than that guy who goes two and eight, and he's got to take that two and eight record into the postseason? Yeah. Yep. I mean, if someone seems... if someone is hurt for a look. And you can actually find real situations where that happened. I'm yeah. sure you can. Oh, you bet. And I can find way more situations where people are ducking. And it happens over and over and over. They would never do this at the Big Ten tournament, would they? Oh, my gosh. It was, it's terrible there, right? <laughs> oh, it's the worst. It's, I mean, it, for a couple of years there, it was almost ruined the Big <laughs> so, Ten tournament. So you mentioned, you mentioned um, somebody's out, right? Let's take a different scenario. Okay. Let's say that uh, wrestler A wrestles all year and does pretty well, right? Well, wrestler B comes on strong at the end of the year. He actually wins a wrestle-off. He okay. actually he, he, he earns a spot over wrestler A, but he's got very few significant results, right? Is it fair to just dump him down in the middle of nowhere when he's been tooth, you know, fighting tooth and nail with his, his buddy that has earned a bunch of big wins and clearly is, has quality seed potential? And we can bring names to this one too. Do you know a guy named Jojo Smith? Gosh, yeah. You yeah. do, don't yeah, you? Yeah, Yes, that's a good example. So they talked about him being like uh, near the end of the seeding criteria and lists at the Big 12s and NCAAs and stuff. And and as it turned out, JoJo was maybe not in his best shape of his life. And it maybe didn't matter as much as some people thought. Yeah. But there were people like, that's not fair to the one seed at the NCAA tournament. Because they're going to have to wrestle JoJo Smith. The first round. Right? People were worried about that. But they did it. Yeah. That's a great point. That's a so. Great, how silly that's a, is that? A perfect example. On the other hand, do you remember who he beat out? One, one of my all-time, or I, I don't even want to say beat out. Who he replaced in the wrestle-off? Yeah, I don't. It, one of my all-time favorites from Oklahoma State, big upper body guy, Chan. Chandler Rogers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right? Didn't he replace Rogers? Yeah. Who was who was super fun to watch? Yeah. And that was Rogers' senior year. He he'd spent his whole life. Being an Oklahoma State cowboy and cowboying up legit, and and his the end of his career, he soon got married and had a child. After that, I think he's doing great. But the end of his career was to to stand out of the way for JoJo to take a spot in the postseason and kind of 
you know, lay an egg. And what seed did JoJo get in that tournament? Right. What seed? Last seed? Yeah. He? yeah. He, he wrestled one seed first round, right? He had, yeah. or did he have a pigtail match first, right? Right, yeah. Because pigtail, yep. and then, yeah. you know, so, so look, there's, there's, and I'm actually happy to do it, but it's not hard to find the, the who's duck inside of the argument. Just go to the internet and look at who's, you know, who's been complaining the last week. People are all up in arms about this Cornell situation. Well, up in arms about all these other matches. And, and I'm telling you, they're right. People duck. They absolutely duck. And very, very good kids duck. And not, not just Cornell. No, I no, mean, no. Not just... Not, no, far from it. Cornell has no There's... history of ducking. Um, they happen to in this occasion because it, it suited them. And there's no downside. Well, and then you look at, I mean, you, it, let's, okay, if we're going to, we'll just continue to use them as an example. When we go to fill out our brackets come March, right. there's Cornell kids with some gaudy glow, records. Yeah, some awesome records, right? Like, holy crap, this guy's 30 and 0. Right. Well, then you listen, thank you to Jason Bryant and his preview guide. I go to look through who they wrestled. Yeah. And uh, what kind of helped me out fill, fill out my brackets and uh not always the stiffest of competition it's not a big 10 schedule it's not a big 12 schedule it's yeah that is it's interesting um yeah i i mean i actually think it's not that hard and, and there's very few downsides to it so um i think willie was looking for a solution he can have it willie take this one and run with it well i think it's a good solution and al you've done this before you know, uh, you've come gone off on a rampage. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I like it. Let's keep it going. Give me some more examples of guys ducking. <laughs> well, and it, I mean, it, duels are fun, right? Duels are a blast, it, and they're they're fan friendly. They're easy to watch. They're they're a little bit easier for a for a novice fan to understand what's going on. Over and over in the last week or two, and it happens all year long. People are talking about big matches coming up, how excited they are for this and that, and then they just don't happen. Yeah. You know, and sometimes they do, which is awesome, but they don't always. Yeah, so you don't see that that like well, we talked about uh Seth Gross going up. Going up to Bryce Meredith. Going up to wrestle Bryce Meredith. Right. Yeah, that's not happening anymore. No. I mean, that was pretty uncommon at the time. But the with just coaches are so calculating right on what's and they're doing what's best for their wrestler. They are, you know, because the only thing that matters is the end of the year. It, it literally is. There, there's no dual tournament. There's no dual title. There's no nobody really gives a crap if Cornell beats Iowa State or not in some random duel in the middle of the year. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't mean anything at the end of the year. So. These coaches, I, I don't blame them for for doing what's best for their guys. No, they, um, and if the if the best thing for their guys is to protect them after they have a big win, I don't blame them for doing it. I don't like it. No, you know, I mean it's. But I get it. Definitely takes the fun of the out of the duel. There is for sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I like your fix. So, yeah. Um, speaking of duels, let's see where do we want to go next. We had. Um, well, have, I don't know if you've been, Josh, do you want to take over ranking the 125 pounders in the NCAA Division I, I uh, weight class? No, I do not want do you to own take a dartboard. I do not want do to you take own over a bunch of I coins. Have a dartboard. That is, no, please. Well, I mean, right? Our own Jory Volk just had a big win. Richie Figs hit the mat for Arizona State, right? Yeah. And he was, he was ranked one in some polls. How'd that work out for him? Well, Jory Volk beat him again. Beat him again. Beat him again. And Richie Figs is uh, 
Like Jory's like his kryptonite. Yeah. Fluorescing just love. They've loved Richie Figueroa for oh, they have forever. Years. Forever since high school. Yeah, forever. And Jory's, that was a nice win. Super nice win, yeah. And, you know, Jory's a good example, right? We're going to cheer for him in every match, and we know that he's got a chance to win against anybody in the country. But he's he's a guy that's had some gigantic wins, yeah. and then he's had some some losses against really good kids, but not, like, top guys in the country. Like, 125 is all weight class are tough, but it's super tough, super competitive. Uh, there's a kid from NC State, Jacob Camacho, who's been ranked first recently. Uh, you know, right? Because every time somebody gets ranked first, they take a loss, and, and they move down. So this... Jacob Camacho's um, ranked first. Do you want to know what his weekend was like? He's on a three-match losing streak, Josh. Ranked first in the country. He took a loss to Trevor Anderson from you and I. Okay. Big name. Oh, you don't recognize it. Okay. <laughs> uh, he, took a, uh, he also took a is loss he... to Anthony Noto from Lock Haven. Oh, yeah. Now, Noto is a name. Yeah, he's I think tough. Noto's lost twice this year, and I, he, I don't know that he's got any matches before the end of the year. So his, his losses in 2023 calendar year – we're both at NCAAs. He lost his kid named Spencer Lee. Not bad. Not bad. And he had an overtime loss to Brandon Courtney at NCAA tournament. Also not That's bad. his only two losses at last year. So it's really not a shock that Noto, you know, gave Camacho a match and, and ended up beating him. Is Trevor Anderson from Ankeny, Iowa? I think he is. I mean, that sounds like a, right? you got to give Ankeny, Iowa a little love here, Al. No. I mean, What's their mascot? I have no idea. It's got to be something that ends in Hawk. <laughs> oh, they might be actually. It, uh, they have to be yeah. <laughs> a gohawk, a flowhawk, a rohawk, a mohawk. Oh, hey! Speaking of Lock Haven versus NC State, uh, how awesome is it that kids can wrestle some some? I'll just call them varsity matches. Wrestle some real matches and duels without burning a red shirt oh, right away. That that's when one of the best rule changes in the last handful of years by that far. Just is, that is true. That is good for the sport. Yeah, our guy Coy Biskin's got a match in that duel and, and picked up a win. And um, look, I don't know what their plans are. They're pretty deep. They're solid at 41. I, I, I'm guessing the plan is for Coy to, to redshirt. But um, but he was able to go wrestle, travel with the team, and wrestle in a, in a legit duel match and, and get a win. You know, that's that's a lot of fun. That redshirt year is not always fun for guys. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into not a lot of um, a handful of open tournaments. Yeah, right. So that that's cool to see. Um, oh, and then after that, Camacho got stuck by Brandon McCrone from Ohio State. No, so that's a that's a nice win for Brandon McCrone from. It's Ohio a very nice State. win. Uh, that duel was crazy. So Ohio State and NC State, both really good programs. Yeah. Uh, both red. I don't know who wore, wore the green ankle band in that in that uh, competition. But Ohio State, I think they started out. So McCrone got that big upset pin at 125. <laughs> Camacho had a terrible run there. <laughs> the, the poor guy. Oh, it's yeah. just because they ranked him so high. <laughs> After that, Ohio State picked up pins in their next two matches against top five guys in the country. Against top five guys. Top five guys, Yeah. Uh, I can't. Kyle Rini, I think, was one of them, and I can't remember the other other kid's name. But I saw that they started with three pins, and and it was to three top five guys in the country. That's a that's a heck of a way to start on a duel. And then their next guy up was um, uh, who's Ohio State's got a, like a uh, like a, a top ten, maybe a top five guy at 149 that ended up getting beat. But like they started out up 18 nothing with one of their hammers coming up. They ended up winning the duel by a point. It was. It was a pretty entertaining duel. Um, 
Ryder Rogatsky, right? Yes. He got a match in that duel. Um, he got a couple matches actually in that duel. So I don't know what his count is at. I say, how's he on his quest for I the Chalice know. Award? Well, so for the Chalice Award, which is the um, essentially the pinning award, right, for wrestling, I believe he's probably either at or tied or one off of first place. Um, there's a couple guys with a pin or two more than him in D1, but I think I think all those guys, or there's not many. Um, I think they've got like some D2 and Juco and, and um, that sort of thing mixed in with their D1 pins. I think Ryder has one pin against a non-D1 guy, but the rest of his are all D1. Okay. Like he might be leading the country in pins. It's not bad for a true freshman. Right? And, and look, I don't know how many, how many matches he's got left before he would burn his, his red shirt. Um, they're pretty solid right at 84. So it, it's up in the air what they do with that. Um, if he happens to red shirt and go to a bunch of open tournaments, Josh, there's a chance. It, the difference is he might not face a lot of D one competition, depending on which open tournaments he goes to, but he might rack up a lot of pins this year. <laughs> I mean, he might, he, he might, he might be the starter from here on out and rack up a lot of pins. It's right. Rogatsky, but yeah. Uh, I, you know, Roman is still, he's not far out of the hunt. He's a couple behind Ryder, but he's, he's also pinned a uh, fair share of kids this oh, year. Man. So I got a, as we go on, maybe a little bit later, I'll share a, a conversation that I had with Perry Rogotsky last weekend when our daughters were wrestling at the Athena girls tournament. So oh yeah. Yeah. Save that for later. Oh yeah. So anyway, if you know 125 pounder, tell him to stay at least second or third rank. Do not, you do not, do not come out one. front. It's there, just been, I mean, there's probably been five or six kids ranked number one this year that have been beat already. It's just crazy. I'm, and like say Camacho lost three in a row before he could be re-ranked. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to do it for a big tournament. No, I don't know. Take a loss in a duel and drop to second or third, maybe. You but. know what? He'd probably still be ranked number one if, uh, if his coaches would have ducked. Good point. It's a good point. Um, uh, Duels, duels. Do they actually call it the Cowboy Championship, Josh? Did you watch a duel last night? I did. And which duel was this? Uh, That was the uh, Oklahoma State versus Wyoming Cowboys. Cowboys versus Cowboys? Cowboys versus Cowboys at the University of Wyoming in Laramie. Uh, Actually, it was weird, too, because when I went to tune in, it was literally the best flow wrestling has ever come in on my TV. Really? Like, I have no idea They've why. They've got outstanding internet in Laramie? They, I guess. I mean, Do I they wasn't... also have a giant grain bin with an internet uh, <laughs> service? Do you think maybe that's part of it? Like, they they use the same grain bin type it's compatible technology on both <laughs> ends, right? I mean, literally, like, as I, you know, I'm, I'm watching the duel on, on the TV, my wife goes, what? man, why is this coming in so clear? I'm like, I have no idea, because it never does that. And, yeah, so here I spent the night watching the, the cowboy versus cowboy duel. So two questions out of that. One, did anybody did anybody we know win for Wyoming? And two, do we have a sponsor for this segment? Actually, yes, we do. Um, the well, let's yes, we got two two wrestlers we know won for the for the University of Wyoming. But let's talk about sponsors first. We'd like to thank our sponsor, General Sports, for you know giving us a little love on this show and sponsoring this segment. Um, don't be afraid to reach out to these guys for all your apparel needs because they are they are making their way into 
you know, wrestling apparel. They, they started out as a hockey company, but they're, they're coming on strong and they literally want to be involved as much as possible with the sport of wrestling. So it's general sports. I'll give you an example. When your team qualifies for the state tournament, Oh yeah, you know you've got like or 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 your wrestlers or just a couple individuals. You remember how big of a pain in the butt that was, Al? Oh, it's giant because you don't know who qualifies until you know a few days before the state tournament. Yeah, until you a, qualify on Saturday night and wrestle on Thursday. Yes, you, so you got you got five days, four or five days to get these t-shirts ready. For the last five years, we've gone through general sports and we've always gotten them. They've been awesome. Nice, and th- that's team and individual. So even if you're even if you're only you got three, four guys that are going as an individual and you're looking for a shirt quick, yeah. General Sports Call. Awesome. So, yes, they're sponsoring our this segment. They wanted to sponsor. I think they reached out and said they would also they would like to sponsor if we could do uh, with this episode like a Big Ten, a Big Twelve wrestler of the week segment or something. They'd yeah. like to sponsor that. I think. C- could you track down who the Big Twelve and or Big Big Ten Wrestler of the Week was this week, Josh? Well, if I remember correctly, the uh, Big Ten Wrestler of the Week is from the University of Nebraska, Peyton Robb. Go Big Red. Go Big Red. I knew he's, he's setting me up here, folks. He just loves that. He just loves that. And then the Big 12 Wrestler of the Week is Jory Volk. Nice. From the University of Wyoming. Cowboy. Awesome. The, who had just, I mean, huge, huge yeah, right? tournament out at the Reno Tournament of Champions. And um, big win last night. At, in their duel over at against Oklahoma State, yeah, it be, beat Spratly, right? Yeah, beat Troy like, Spratly. Yeah, there was talk about that match. You know, when they were both in high school, and I don't know that it ever materialized in folk style, but um, you know, that was a match that a lot of people, um, especially that didn't know Jory as well, favored Spratly in. Like he was a big name, big recruit. He was one of the top guys in the country, and so that's a really nice week for Jory. Yeah, and it, it, I'll get a. I'll rewind just a little bit. You said if you didn't know Jory as well, that you would favor Spratly. People who knew Jory would not favor Spratly. Agreed. Yeah, because I mean, he's just like this is no surprise, right? To, yeah, to, to not us. to us, yeah. right? Like I mean, locally, but, like but, the the Minnesota metro uh, people, and and look, there's there's actually a so there's three three groups of people on this sort of thing, right? There's like people that are just general wrestling fans across the country. A lot of those people are gonna be like, "Oh, Troy Spratley's awesome. He can't be beat. No way, Joy beats him. Whatever." There's a group um, like Minnesota wrestling fans that don't really know the national thing. They're like, "Well, Joy Volk is never gonna lose a match in his life. He's awesome. He is right." Yeah. But there's a lot of good wrestlers out there in the country. And then there's like this this kind of the smallest subset of people that know Spratly, know Jory, and uh, as good as Spratly is, love that matchup. Yeah, and, love and that matchup. W- yeah. That is, I mean, how fun was that? And so Jory beats Spratly to start the duel, and then at the end of the duel, yep. you know, at 197 pounds, Joey Novak, true freshman, beats Jersey Rob. Wait, what name was this? What state is? What state and name are we talking? Is it Oklahoma kid? This is... Is it Jersey Ray Rob? Jersey Jersey Rob. Jerry Rob? Jersey Rob. How does he not have a middle name mixed in there or a third name? I don't know. That's a good question, actually. Like, yeah, Jersey Wayne Rob, Could right? Have been would a, be, yeah, Jersey Wayne. Jersey probably, Wayne Rob? Or, yeah. Must be a typo. I mean, he's from Oklahoma. He's got a pretty nice set of tattoos. He does. And, like, I mean, yeah. he is jacked, but he's, well, he, not, he's not very tall. He's not as tall as Joey. He's not nearly as tall as... Did you see... Okay, during that match, like, now this... this uh, He... Joey was winning, and Jersey pulled the trigger on a high crotch yep. and like transitioned to a double. 
and I mean, he was extremely explosive. And as he went to return Novak to the mat, I mean, there was nothing. There was literally nothing on the mat. All, all parts of both bodies were in the air. Right. And Joey landed right on his back. I mean, it had to knock the wind out of him. I mean, yeah, teetering on some t- form of concussion. <laughs> and you could see, like, Joey kind of got his bell rung a little bit and um, was kind of lethargic for a short, short while, like, I was kind of hoping for like a challenge brick or something. Yeah, or, maybe or just, just a like quick, some type of injury time. You know, like just give him a, just give him thirty seconds to get his bearings. Well, we didn't need injury time, right? Then people get choice, and yeah, then, yeah. So, yeah, challenge brick. Challenge maybe brick would have been, been well spent. Like, you know, there's still, no penalty to that right now in college either. Challenge brick, <laughs> just to just give him a minute to to catch his bearings. Um, that didn't happen, and he didn't really need it to happen because he hit like a Gramby roll. Really hard Gramby, yeah. Hard Gramby with like 20 seconds left in the match. He's trailing, hits this Gramby roll for reversal and pins Jersey Rob. Yeah. That was... That Jersey was... did not have the strongest set of... Uh, it was not the strongest bridge I've ever witnessed. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know if he's been on... And I'm sure, look, that was like six minutes and 45 seconds in the match. You're tired, and, and Joey's a big, strong kid. It's been a wild match, but... It was, uh, it was I, I imagine Coach Smith was not super impressed with that bridge. Yeah, effort. It wasn't much of a bridge. <laughs> I would love to hear his comments on it. He's so entertaining. What was, what's Joey? He's ranked like 18? Yeah, he's like top that. 20 for he's, sure. He had some big wins out in Vegas um, and just keeps chugging along nicely. Yeah, he's looking really good. Yeah, that's awesome. And it was fun to see a kid, you know, super reserved kid, right? Always, and he was after the match. He was fired up and, you know, like it's, I love seeing guys get fired up for stuff like that. Like it's a big deal. Well, you know, what's kind of funny about that. Those two winning, winning matches in that duel, they both have trained a bunch in the Oklahoma State wrestling room over the years. Yeah. And just, I don't know why I thought that was funny, but. Well, they, if it would have been a road win or, you know, if they would have been in Oklahoma as opposed to in Wyoming. In Wyoming, you maybe could have tied that in that they are familiar with the area, but that really not. It's just nice to see just Minnesota interesting kids doing well. Absolutely, it is. It is for sure. Um, I don't know what made me think of this, but uh, shout out Obi Blanc. Turn, you know, took over at NDSU. Yeah, and uh, picked up his first dual victory as a coach. They beat uh, the Bison. Beat who? They beat Purdue, I think. Had a nice win over Purdue. Oh, so good for him. Uh, yeah, you know it's that's it's always tough when head coach leaves and, and heads down to Oklahoma and kind of got to put things together. So uh, know a lot of a lot of people that really like Obi and think he's going to do good things. But they they got a Big Ten you know win against a Big Ten opponent. Nice nice for the yeah Bison uh, Minnesota guys on that team. A bunch of them. Yeah, Max Peterson's and going to be more. Max yeah, Peterson was he. He started at 49? Yeah. He just had, man, what did I just see about Max? He looked huge in that picture. But um, he had some sort of, maybe it was just after a win I saw it. I I thought I saw some sort of, you know, OW or Wrestler of the Week or something. Um, But it might have just been a a tweet, you know, just a a big win tweet. I can't remember. Yeah, I think you're onto something. From a couple weeks ago, maybe? It could have been. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember specifically, but I do think I do think there's something there. Yeah. Is he maybe a Big 12 wrestler of the week? He might have been. Early in the season, yeah. He might have been, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, hey, earlier we talked, 
a little bit of, you know, Cornell and, and that sort of stuff and the EIWA. Yeah. Right. So the Ivy League has always been part of them. And I saw a tweet by our friend of the program, Jason Bryant, recently. The Ivy League's breaking off and going to have their own postseason slash conference tournament. So historically, um, the Ivy League, which is, what's that? Cornell, Princeton, Harvard. Can, can you explain this to me like I'm five? Okay. <laughs> Just so I understand. Because I... You know, a lot of times I thought the EIWA was, you know, was basically an Ivy League conference tournament. So that that is a that's an understandable thought process, right? Because you see people from schools like Cornell and Princeton come out of that tournament and you assume that that must be the Ivy League tournament. But there's only six six teams in in the Ivy League, I believe. Um, Harvard, Cornell, Princeton, Columbia, Harvard, Columbia, Cornell, Brown. Princeton. Brown. Penn and Brown, right. Um, so those six, the EIWAs, Josh, they had 32-man brackets. Like oh, there Jesus. were over 16 schools. There, there were at least 17 schools in the EIWA. Because I remember seeing uh, not many more than 16, but there was more than 16. Yeah. I remember seeing a, a round, round of 32 matches at their conference tournament. Um, so next year those six Ivy League schools are going to come out of the EIWA. EIWA will still have their 11-school tournament, uh, assuming everything stays as is. And then uh, the Ivy League will have their own, I I guess, a conference tournament, you'd call it. Um, And one of the important parts of that is, right, with D1 college wrestling, these these conference tournaments have a certain number of auto-qualifiers for the national tournament at each weight class. So based on how schools do during the year – each weight class and each conference has a certain number of automatic qualifiers. We've talked before how the Big Tens have too many, yeah. right? They earn them all, but because they've got so many, got a ton. we end up with a bunch of you know medical forfeits and guys dropping out. And if they subscribe to our resolution, that'll happen a lot less in the future. <laughs> but it might take the NCAA a year or two to, to catch up to our ideas. They'll get wind. They should. They really should. Um, so the EIWA uh, will have a separate set of allocations. So anybody who wins a conference tournament, EIWA is recognized, Ivy Leagues are recognized. No matter how poorly a weight class does during the year, there's always the champion always makes it no matter what. So there's at least one. But look, as good as the Ivy League schools are, those schools we mentioned, right, they're going to have two, three, four at a lot of weight classes, maybe even five at some weight class. It might be five out of six auto qualifiers, you know, at a few weight classes. Um, certainly four will not be completely uncommon. One of the biggest, <clears throat> the biggest examples of this, you remember the COVID year, Josh, like after COVID happened, um, we had that reduced college season where they wrestled no tournaments. It was only duels. There weren't a ton of duels. Yeah. And some schools didn't participate. For instance, the Ivy League schools did not participate at all. <clears throat> yeah, they didn't. I hated that season. It was terrible. And they, yeah, they didn't. The Ivy Leagues didn't do. They didn't participate in postseason at all. Either, at all, right? Nothing. They did did no postseason. However, the NCAA said, "Well, we've got to figure out how to do this auto qualifiers. We don't have hardly any matches this year to go off of. Um, we're just going to use last year's allocations, which makes sense, right? Except." This EIWA with 17 schools had the same number of qualifiers as they did the year before, which included the Ivy League. So there were some weight classes with three or four or five auto qualifiers 
and maybe most of those spots were earned by schools that weren't participating in the tournament. So you saw, some would say, a slightly watered-down set of entrants from the EIWA. Potential. Potentially. Potentially, potentially right? Um, so anyway, yeah, I thought, I thought that was interesting. Um, that all, I guess that, that it is what it is. It was just... Yeah, a little. I mean, and I'm going to just try tie this into some Minnesota kids. How many Minnesota kids do we have wrestling in the Ivy League right now? Well, Kale um, Berg. Yep. Uh, Will Sailor's going out to Princeton next year. He Don't is. Feel this will affect him. Yep. Um, are we missing? Who else? Uh, I know we. Former. Um, Sam uh, Webster was at Sam Columbia. Sam was at Columbia. Um, you know, we were. I thought we were going to have a little bit of a Brown connection, yep. right, with uh, Milner's out there. Um, I think part of the problem is it's so hard to get into these schools, Josh. It's and and fans, uh, this is Cornell, not the Cornell that Rod Frost attended in Iowa. Wait a minute, this is the, the other same. Cornell. <laughs> they're not not the purple Cornell. This is the red Cornell. I feel like Rod's been misleading me. <laughs> the first time I met him, Josh, I swear, first time I met him, uh, you know, he he likes to um, talk wrestling. We talked about college, and um, he. He said, well, yeah, I wrestled. I said, okay, where at? He says, Cornell. And I, I took a double take. I'm like, you wrestle at Cornell? You wrestle at Cornell. And then I found out that there was a Cornell Purple Hawks or whatever they are <laughs> in Iowa. <laughs> Purple Hawks. I'm pretty sure that's their mascot. <laughs> the Cornell Purple Hawks. <laughs> oh. So anyway, yeah. So there's not a huge, there not a huge list of kids, but there definitely are our kids. And, you know, um, for the schools left in the EIWA, there's some... There's definitely some Minnesota connections there. Their brackets will be different to qualify for NCAA. They won't have those Cornell, Princeton, Harvard kids in them. Well, I hate to rewind just a little bit on you here, Al, but um, if we're going to talk the Ivy Leagues and and very strong students, we got to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Todd Hansen from Morgan & Trust Realty, whose son wrestles for Stanford right now. Right. He, uh, they're pretty good students over there, too. Not bad at all. <laughs> So if you're, you know, if you're in the market for a house, give Todd Hansen a, a shout at 612-325-6119. Yeah, and Stanford is nice because there's no small school in Iowa called Stanford <laughs> yeah. to confuse me. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, look, I, I told you before we started the high school stuff, I wanted to talk you know, five minutes of college, and of course, we drug that out a little longer. But um, uh, some I interesting like topics. I like it. Yeah. yeah, I think it's great, man. I, I like when you get fired up. I like your. I like your. You're pretty good at coming up with the creative ideas to fix things like this. This ducking situation. It's not that hard, man. I mean, really, I mean, I'm sold. I'm totally down with it. You get the Big Ten tournament back to what it used to be. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And and during the year, these tournaments, too. And, you know, look, maybe if they do this, some teams don't schedule those duels. But I'm telling you right now, like I said, Cornell wanted that duel with Iowa State because they wanted Julian Ramirez to get two cracks at David Carr. Yeah. Turns out he only need one. Yeah. And so so they, they, they only used missed one. Missed a second. Right. But anyway, yeah. Hurt. Oh, I don't... Um, I don't remember... I don't think I got anything else for, for college stuff, Josh. I'd say we talked wrestlers of the week. We talked, yeah, Minnesota kids with big wins, big weeks. Um, 
All right, let's. Should we roll into some high school stuff? Yeah. What uh, do you want to start? There was a ton of girls wrestling last weekend, was there not? There, there was a ton of wrestling. A ton of wrestling, weekend. period. Like, like, for sure, there was a ton of girls wrestling last weekend. But before we start talking girls, let's just talk about the tournaments that. So, you know, one thing we've, we've tried to do is encourage more people to get into officiating. Yeah. And, we, and we've tried to help out somehow, some way, even in the smallest way we can, you know, as, as far as sponsoring, you know, sponsoring a ref. Um, can we talk just a, a second about that, Al? Just the, the, really the need for it. I mean, we're, we're, in, we're in good shape as, a sport, as far as the sport goes. But if you look last weekend, we had the, the Christmas tournament. The Jackhammer, the Redwood River Riot, the Athena Hopkins Girls Tournament, the what was the the Blue Ox, the, the Bemidji Blue Ox Girls Tournament. There was a tournament in Northfield, the Larry Severson. They also had a JV tournament. Most of these places also have JV tournaments. I mean, there was a ton of kids wrestling last weekend in the state, and. It, it amazed me as I was looking through results and see how people were how people did at these things that we had enough officials for it. Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm trying to remember. I'm not sure where it was at. We had our youngest ever um, sponsor ref recipient, Ryder Anderson, refing this weekend. Rod Frost tweeted that out uh, today, I think. Um, yeah, so that's our sixth. Uh, sponsor ref of the year and we're still looking for more sponsors for sure we've got um at least well there were nine in that first picture rod sent out right yeah. nine new refs at that one tournament so we're still looking for for sponsors anybody interested um let us know let rod know well and and really like for people who love the sport of wrestling and they they want to continue to be involved and they want to give back Refing is an officiating is a is a great way to do it because a lot of times it it's hard to get into coaching if you're de depending on your work schedule. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people who uh, you know younger folks, whatever they want to help coach, but they can't get off work at three thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, you know, but refing, you know, there's some some of the middle school events during the week can be earlier, but they're not at three thirty and they're not every day. So it's something you can commit to. And then tournament or weekends like this show up, right? Yeah. Where there is a ton of mats going and we need wrestler or refs all over the state. Everywhere. Always going to be opportunities like this. And yeah. Um, yeah, highly encourage people. We've talked about it. The, the officials, they, they kind of have their own fraternity a little bit. They're, they're all, you know, huge wrestling fans. Uh, they, they got a niche group that they're, you know, they're after the tournament's over, they, you know, they'll, they go out to dinner and, and hang out, and then they, they talk wrestling and talk about the things they saw. And we we need to continue to work to get more officials. Yeah, you know, that's <clears throat> that's an interesting point you made. There have been a lot of times over the years that we've ended up um, maybe at a restaurant-type place after a tournament, right, when when the, the wrestling's all done for the weekend. Yeah. And maybe we're with a uh, friend of the show, Rod Frost, or maybe – um, some of the other guys we know, or we run into them and we see, you know, four, five, six, seven refs sitting around having a burger and whatnot and um, say hi and end up talking, wrestling with them for, you know, an hour, hour and a half. Like they're, 
the refs love wrestling too. Like it, it's a good group of guys and gals. And um, like if you're a wrestling fan and like talking wrestling, ref and wrestling is a good way to get that oh, fix. Great way. It's yeah, fantastic. You're still involved. You're helping. You're yeah. This is this is basically Al. I'm sorry. This is a plea just to you know you encourage listeners that if they if they're looking for an avenue to stay involved. Give refing a try. The writer Anderson's a great example. He's what, he's a high school kid, right? He is. Yep, and he's a kid that wrestled for a long time, and he's not wrestling this year. Um, it, but he but he really enjoys wrestling, and he's like, I want to ref, and you and, know, and he's sponsored by a anonymous wrestling dad. Yep. Who has this is his second year sponsoring a ref for sure, if not his third. Right. And he's got kids of all ages high school down to youth and said he will sponsor until our, he's done until he's this done is, this is like our we can sponsor one for the next 10 years easy yeah like this is our lock-in one we have <laughs> so thank you to that sponsor and thank you to writer anderson and yeah all makes and models shapes and sizes and ages if you're if you want to stay involved in the sport refing is a great way to do it and People who are interested in sponsoring, get a hold of us, and we will make that happen. Yeah. Or Rod, right? Yeah. See, Rod, either one of us or Rod. Um, yeah, awesome. That's that's good. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. So, and the reason I brought that up, Al, is just because looking at the numbers for, for people competing last weekend. Okay. So, let's look at let's look at the Athena Hopkins girls invite. They, um, they had, what did we figure... How many wrestlers did they have? Uh, was that one 172? No, no, that one was that 172 was Bemidji, right? That was oh, that I was had those Bemidji. backwards maybe. Yeah, yep, that was the Bemidji. That oh, was you're right. The Bemidji Blue Ox Girls Tournament. Yeah. So, yeah, Hopkins had Hopkins had 300 girls. 300. 300 girls wrestling in Hopkins. 172 in at Bemidji. I mean that's. That's almost 500 girls wrestlers on the same day. Well, and that's 500, almost 500 wrestlers we didn't have three years ago. We had maybe four of them. Yes. <laughs> right? Really? Like there maybe was, four there, of them. There was a handful, right, that were wrestling with the boys, but for the most part, we had near zero out of close to 500. Yeah. It's, I mean, in, in a amazing growth. And as we talk about it just a little bit, let's, you know, I got to give, um, I got to give a shout out to, uh, Alex Vandenhouten. This is I'm, I'm. This was an article I read from him in the the Rochester Post Bulletin this morning. You know, he talked about the growth of of wrestling and girls wrestling in general. You know, uh, right now there's Al. Guess can you guess how many states have girls wrestling sanctioned for a high school sport? Well, I remember when <clears throat> we were talking to the folks in Minnesota. Um, you know, Jason Ellsmore and. And Chad Shilson and and a whole crew of folks that were really pushing hard, and it felt like we were, um, you know, there was maybe I don't know, eight, ten, twelve in the country when they first were starting to really push, and it was a couple of years later. So it's, I mean, it's got to be at least I don't know, fifteen or twenty. Yeah, that I mean, that's a great that's a great guess because in two thousand seventeen there was six. Yeah, there was six of them in two thousand seventeen. Right now there's forty. 40. 40 states have sanctioned girls' high school wrestling. And the, the, the numbers, as far as now, here's another number. In 2021 and 22, there was 31,654 participants. 
Last year, there was 49,127. Wow. That's over 50% growth. Over 50% growth. And you look at you look at the Hopkins tournament from last year. I think they had 100 girls. This year, they had 300. Yeah. So, I mean, the sport is growing like crazy. It's only going to continue to grow. And that's that's really what's driving this convert, you know, bringing me back to this, the officials. We need officials, and we need sponsors. And in that same article, Alex mentioned that boys wrestling was up 10% nationwide last year also. That's nice, you know, because there's, <clears throat> there's more opportunities. There's different sports. Um, there's eSports now. Kids can stay at home and play their video games and, and, and try to get a college scholarship. There's other, you know, boys volleyball and, and lots of different options. To be up 10% in wrestling is, is impressive. Um, you mentioned, I thought I heard you say something when we were uh, doing a little prep work here yeah. uh, in that short time period. Um, the numbers were, what, what are the numbers historically? Well, I'm going to cite my source, Alex Van Den Houten, and just um, read it word for word here. It says, combined with the incredible growth on the girls' side, the sport reached a 45-year high in participation last year, reaching over 300,000 participants for the first time since 1978. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, that is, I mean, so it's crazy that it's 1978 they had higher numbers. Over 300, I mean, yeah. That, that's that's mind-boggling to me alone, trying to figure that out. But, I mean, wrestling is And he trending. didn't say since records have been kept in 1978. He said since 1978, kind of sounding like there were more than a third of a million or whatever. Yeah. That, yeah that's, that's nuts, yeah. That is um, actually a really good read. You know, if you're interested in, in numbers like this and the growth of the sport, go check it out. Um, basically, the... the Prep wrestling numbers exploding across southeastern Minnesota and nationwide. Is, yeah, Alex has put some really good articles out. Um, yeah. Speaking of good articles, if you're if you're reading that one, jump over to the guillotine. Brian Jerzak just put out an article in the last day or two. Um, always good. His stuff's always, always good, good, right? Been doing um, it a long time. Yeah, he had uh, a little interview slash article on Ella Pagel, right? Northfield uh, star girls wrestler. Um, called i think it was called swing keep swinging the axe i think it's what it was called the, okay. the title of the article or whatever um but yeah just kind of uh detailing because ella so she's been wrestling for a long time she's one of those girls that wrestled with the boys oh yeah and yeah. very much <laughs> she played football with the boys she, yeah last year yeah like not just when she was you know in fourth grade like in high school she played football with the boys um, and that's that's a another really good read. Yeah, uh, but, nice article on Ella there. And Jerzak's articles are are awesome. Yeah, he's uh, not you know like you might find a podcast with just a couple of meatheads talking wrestling. Jerzak's an actual journalist who does a nice job. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's a professional, <laughs> right? <laughs> Big difference. <laughs> but yeah, they're always a good read. Okay. Al, I'm going to go back to this girls' tourneys here. You know, the let's just talk a little bit about Athena and Bemidji. And the numbers were outstanding. And we'll look. We'll start with Athena. Okay. Apple Valley, they've they have embraced girls wrestling like very few ha others have. They just literally they're like the more the merrier. They're they're 
they, they've done a great job, and they, their numbers are great. They won the Athena tournament with 392.5 points. In second place was Hastings, 276. So they won by over 100 points. Wow. Third was Forest Lake. Fourth was Eastview. Fifth was Chatfield. Sixth was Byron. Seventh was South St. Paul. Eighth was Centennial. Ninth was Shakopee. And tenth was Bloomington Kennedy. You know, and a lot of those programs, um, you know, they've got <clears> – <throat> some of those are starting to have some, some nice, fairly big-name coaches, too. Um, I'm trying to think. Chatfield's got um, – Savannah Vole? Yeah. You yeah, know, they, like, um, they're really, you know, it's not just the school saying, okay, well, we should have girls wrestling too. Go ahead and, and roll a mat out and let them wrestle. Like, they're putting some resources and, and effort into it. It's really good to see. Well, and on that same subject, as we roll into the Bemidji Blue Ox Girls Tournament, the second place team there, St. Michael Elberville, they're being coached by Dan LaFave. Yeah, right? Does he have any success at the high school level, he, Josh? I mean, he's got a fair amount of success at the <laughs> high school level. I love that level, guy. And he committed, to, he committed to help grow the girls program at St. Michael, and they got 50 girls practicing right he now. He came back to do it. Yeah. Like, he retired, quote-unquote, retired from the boys' side after a very successful um, career, retired a few years back. Yeah. And then kind of helped out a little bit here and there, but, like, he was ready to be done and take a step back, and then this opportunity to come help grow this girls program from scratch essentially came up and Dan jumped right in. Right in. And that, you know, obviously St. Michael's has been good for a long time on the boys' side and looks like they're doing well on the girls' side. Now they took second at Bemidji. But the the winners, that, let's go, okay, you know what, Alan, hang on, rewind. We'll start with, we'll work, start with 10th place and work our way to number one. In 10th was Moorhead. Tied for eighth was Wadena Deer Creek and Bertha Hewitt, Verndale, Parker's Prairie. Seventh place was Park Rapids. Sixth was Thief River Falls. Fifth was Mille Lacs. Fourth was Brainerd. Third was Sox Center, Melrose. Second, St. Michael Albertville. And your champs in Bemidji was the home team, Bemidji. And they beat St. Michael by almost 100 points. Wow. Now, when we talk about a commitment to helping grow the girls' side of things, longtime Bemidji head coach Rance Barr, he stepped away from the reins as a as the guys, co the boys coach here a year, a year ago, and he, now he's the head girls coach. No doubt. And Rance has been, he spent, how long was he involved with the boys? I mean, for a long time. Yeah. And, and a lot of success. Coached, boy, I don't, I have zero, <laughs> done zero research on this, but he certainly coached some successful teams and a ton of successful individuals. And, and um, yeah. I mean that's a nice that's another nice resource to have spearhead the girls program up there and Bemidji's done like literally since Minnesota sanctioned girls wrestling Bemidji's been at the forefront and it's I think we'll con continue to see them just do really really well the so that was okay that was the girls the girls side of things last weekend we did a preview show on the Matt Boss Minnesota Christmas Tournament, and we'll talk a little bit. We'll get to the results of that or some of the results. But before we do that, Al, let's let's roll into um, some of the other tournaments we mentioned last weekend. How about the uh, Redwood River Riot? Okay. So as far as I can tell, this tournament's been, been in place since 2010, 
They've, it's happened pretty much every year except for 2020 since then. That was the COVID year. It did not happen. Um, this year, the champs were Marshall. They beat the defending champs, Dawson Boyd, Lacroix, Parlay Valley, Montevideo United by four points. Four points. So that, that was tight. Yeah. Um, and what were the numbers? Like four points, was it 10 to six or was it? Uh... You know what? I don't know that I can, I could tell you that off the, off the top of my head. I'd have to go find it. Um, I just have in my chicken scratch here that they won by four. Yeah, I, I've kind of lead. It was probably like in the one fifties, one sixties range, right? Like it was, it was, uh, it wasn't ten to six. It was probably something a little, a uh, little bigger there. Yeah. The percentage was very small. Oh yeah, very, very small. Well, Al, you asked, and uh, you know what? I just found it here in my notes. It looks like Marshall beat Dawson Boyd Lacroix Montevideo United one sixty three and a half to one fifty nine and a half. And then the Holdingford Huskers were in third with 142 and a half. Kind of figured you'd be a fan of the the Huskers, knowing you. Of course. That's a tough team they got, too. They're, I mean, they're currently ranked, gosh, they got to be ranked fourth in Class A. And they're, I mean, they're going to make a nice little run for, for the state tournament come the end of the season here. They are. Um, and you'll... You'll get to this, I'm sure, but before I forget, when you mentioned Holdingford, um, they just have, they got a new all-time school win uh, record holder, Drew, Drew Lang. Yeah. Uh, won his 183rd match um, of his high school career. Oh, good. Set a school record, and uh, I think that same match was his 75th pin. Congrats to Drew Lang. That's impressive. Right? Yeah. Anytime someone sets a school record for wins and gets picks up 75 pins along the way, it's more wins than you and I had combined. Well, it could have been possibly. Yeah, I mean, it was, who's I mean, counting? We I mean, didn't have we didn't, we didn't have online then. records, yeah, I, <laughs> which is good. I mean, maybe we had more than that. Now that I think about it, <laughs> well, since it's not, since it can't I did prove not it. contribute a significant amount. I tell you that. <laughs> so that the the riot's been going on forever, and Al, I actually think you were there years ago. Yep. Um, some. Some of the teams that have won in the years past are actually Wabasso, Red Rock Central. They they won it for back to back in 2011 and 12. Sibley East picked up a win in 13. KMS they've won it a couple times. They won in 2010 and 2014. Litchfield won it with a real strong team in 16. Worthington won in 15. Fairmont, Martin County West, the Red Bulls they had their kind of the reins of it there from 2017 through 19. And then ACGC won it in 2021. Um, here's some names of some outstanding wrestlers from the over the years. Okay. Nathan Rose from Sibley East. Adam Cooling. Um, who else here? Riley Molitor. Yeah. The Charlie Pakel. Yeah. And Connor Simmons. Yeah. There's, I mean, so it's a. Uh, I've never been to the tournament myself. I'll get out there one of these days, but. I do enjoy, I do appreciate that they put the, uh, the, a lot of the matches are available to watch on track. Yeah, how nice is that? Especially a weekend as busy as this was, right? Oh. You, can, you can go home and maybe on Sunday Sunday afternoon, if you're trying to avoid uh, the Vikings game or what? on a Monday. <laughs> a, a Monday, that was a Saturday. Did they win or lose this weekend? I didn't catch that game. Anyway. I, I was watching wrestling. I don't know what you're talking about right now. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but it's so nice, right? Like, it's fun to go back and look through brackets, right? So you look around the state and look at different tournaments. But when you see an interesting match, you can just click a little button and, and bring the video up. That is extra special. Yeah, and then that's what you and I have, will, will do in a situation like this. Like, you know, at 121 pounds, we see, you know, we recognize the name we were familiar with. Pierce Roman, he had a win from Fairmont Martin County West. He had a win over Adrian's Mo Erdman. And Pierce is Jackson's younger brother, and he's he's ten and zero on the season right now. And what did we find out about him at the at the JCC Pizza Ranch tournament? Now, boy, I don't I don't remember what the stat was, but you mentioned you were kind of looking at results because saw he hadn't lost yet ten and zero. And where's he wrestled? He wrestled the JCC Pizza Ranch, and was there two or three like a, just a loaded up bracket? Yeah, right? like three ranked kids. Yeah, between single A and double A, and one hundred fourteen and one hundred twenty one pounds. You know, from a from a wrestling parent perspective, anytime you can get that kind of competition, you know, right. in outstate Minnesota, and the I'm guessing his dad Steve was pretty happy about having that. Just win or lose, just to have that kind of competition, right, you know, Close, in their backyard. It, yeah, that, that's super nice. You know, it's 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 one thing if you drive up to Fargo and you come into you know the Mayo Civic Center and you drive over to Wisconsin, but when you can find you know, a loaded up bracket right in your own backyard. How nice is yeah, that? Three matches all against ranked wrestlers. Yeah. Fantastic. That was, yeah, that Pierce caught our eye there. And then another one that we talked about was at 133 pounds, Tori Paplo. He loses to number one ranked Vance Bars in the quarters. Then he beats number seven in AAA, JT Housen in the Concy quarters and avenged his loss to Vance Bars in the third place match. Yeah. That had to be a fun little tournament for Tori. Right, so his only loss on the season was to to Bars, who he came back and beat later the same tournament. That's Well, I think he, he's got a couple other losses on the season, but that was um, his only loss in that tournament was to Vance. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not positive of his record, but I, I do think there's a couple other losses mixed in there, but one heck sure. of a tournament at, yeah, yeah. at any rate. At well, anytime you split matches with the number one guy in the state, it's not a bad day, yeah, right? Yeah, it's not bad at all. I mean, and you beat the number seven guy in AAA. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a good tournament. Lots of many, many kids would be ecstatic with that. At 139 pounds, Dylan Lawaji from Marshall, he won a second riot, and he won in overtime over Maple Grove's Connor Peterson. That was, I watched that match, and, and they spent more time scrambling that was one of those situations where, like, you watch a match and you're just happy you're not an official. Yeah, right. And uh, as I know, we need to be advocates for new officials, but this would be one where, like, new officials are not going to get this match, though. I mean, I'm calling Unlikely. potentially dangerous, <laughs> right? Or, or often, <laughs> like, it's just a ton of leg pass situations and just extensive scrambling. That was would have been a hard match for me, for you and us to officiate. Yeah. Then at 189 pounds. Number eight in double A, Mason Orth from McCory. He wins the bracket with W's, gets victories over Brody Kobaraski, who's currently ranked number four in double A, and Nick Wagner, who's ranked number six in class A. Nice. Couple ranked wins for, for Mason there. Yeah, that's a that's a, a kid to keep an eye on. And you and those are some very nice wins. Um again appreciate the uh, the ability to go watch these matches and just you know follow the sport it's 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 really nice to be able to do that 
And as we transition into our next tournament, the Jackhammer uh, is a very tough tournament. They just, I don't know if they don't have the technology, Al, maybe you can help me with this. If they don't have the technology up in Pequot Lakes, the stream the well, matches? I mean, it's it's probably a cost thing, right? You can have, um, you can. It's an extra cost to to run a tournament with video, um, certainly to the track slash flow crowd. Um, a few extra requirements as far as internet goes. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a tournament and um, they got shut down. It was a college tournament being run by track, and it was shut down for thirty minutes and then twenty minutes and then another 20 like off and on for an hour i suppose and um talk to people all over the country we're having problems with flow now there's an option with with um track right flow owns it, but there's an option with track that you can run these offline have the ability to you have to have an extra machine on site okay and um you know maybe maybe pequot does not have the best internet uh as far as trying to stream live video maybe they even have like that local server option so that um nothing can slow them down right the internet dies up there they just keep wrestling and and later it gets caught up on the internet for the rest of us i don't know well and i'm i'm told by people that you know friends that that are competing up there they they talk about it's a great tournament it's really well run sure um it, it everything moves along really nicely uh, just for for our own selfish reasons, I wish they had video. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, um, that, we've talked about before. That was the only well, one of the very few good things to come out of COVID from a sporting perspective is everybody learned to stream. They're like, yeah. well, we can't really compete much. We better stream it because we can't have people in the gym. Yeah, we, can't and, have, we can't have fans here, right? The, I mean, and I yeah, just like I say, there's I hear a ton of good things about this tournament. I just I've never been able to make it up there. And it used to be the the Big Bear. And yeah. Then in 2021, it changed the jackhammer. It went from, from Cass Lake. I don't know exactly how that... I should try and find that out. How it how it changed from Cass Lake to Pequot Lakes. You know, what, why, you know, Black Duck, Cass Lake, Bina relinquished the tournament. I think they... Who they, knows? Maybe they were just ready to be done. And, that and Pequot be. said, hey, let's keep it going. That's very, very possible. And, and I know a ton of people, they, they love this tournament. They have a blast there. And it's been around since actually one year before the Redwood River Riot, since 2009. Nice. And if you look through some of the results and past winners of that, like you've got teams like Fergus Falls. They won it the first two years. Then Badger, Greenbush, Middle River. Then Hutchinson. They went on a tear from 2012 through 16. You know, they won it five years in a row there, just bing, bang, boom. Cambridge, Isania won in 17. Hutch won it again in 18. 2019, Long Prairie Great Eagle, Browerville won it. 2020, there was no tournament. 21, the first year in Pequot. Belgrade, Brutnell, Rosa won it. Last year, it was canceled due to weather. Now, this is something I can relate to because they had a they had an ice storm go through. Okay. And they, they fully intended to host the tournament, but the power lines were down. In town, so they, they had no power. Those dang linemen. Yeah, it's a freaking. Well, they had, I can understand not having video then, <laughs> but. Uh, so yeah, they just their hands were tied, and then this year they were back in action, and Tino Grace won it and scored two hundred nine points. They had a fantastic tournament. Nice. 
um, as we, you know, it's a little tricky, a little trickier for us to talk about matches that, because like I said, we, couldn't, we didn't get to see them, but right. there's a couple things that caught our eyes, right? Like at 152, Carson Byer from Perm, he won, he won the bracket. So he won it. What was he seated? He was seated 24th. He was not seated first or second. He was not seated first or second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. He was the 24th seed, and he went on a tear. I mean, how fun is that? So awesome. You know, and likewise. So, so I'm trying to think of how the bracket shakes out. Did he beat? Did he have to beat the one seed early? First round. First round. First round. So he started out by beating the one seed and then proceeded to um, prove that was not a fluke by beating everybody else in his way. Yeah. I mean, what what a heck of a tournament for uh you know, I don't know if I don't know the if they just seated the top eight and then everyone else was drawn in. It's possible. Um it, it's possible, you know, you never know. I know that track has the ability to auto seed all the way down to the very end, right? Like just based on whatever built-in criteria they have. Yep. Um, but you mentioned that match to me, and I said, "Well, I, w- I wonder who he practices with, right?" We looked at that. Like he pr- probably practices with somebody above or below a weight, most yeah. likely. Yes. And uh, also from Purim at 145 pounds, one weight class down, a kid named Johnny Ramos. Uh, Johnny also had the one seed first round, and uh, he lost that match. But then he went on a tear on the backside and won four straight matches to make it into the uh, top eight to make it in the medal rounds. Like how cool of a so it's a two day tournament, obviously, right? With brackets that big, yeah, it's got to be. Uh, how cool is that? That uh, those two practice partners both, you know, whether they were seated low or bad draws, whatever, ended up. Probably, I don't know, eight and one, seven and one, six and one, nine and one on the first day. Like yeah. just absolutely tearing things up. Super fun. It's a pretty fun weekend for practice partners. You know, and especially when you you don't have a very favorable starting spot. Right? Yeah. I mean they, they probably both walk away, you're waiting for those brackets to come out where all the parents are clicking refresh, refresh, refresh. And then you walk away, and, and you and your buddy look at each other after a good warm up. You're like, "Yeah, yeah. we got the one seats. The one seats, like, oh great, lucky us." So you, um, I don't know for sure. There's a there's an Augie from Perm, right? Brian Ramos. Yeah. And I don't I don't know. You would ask me. He is. You'd ask me about that um, if Johnny is his brother, and I don't know for sure if it is. Um, I think I, I'm gonna take a look at the parking lot next time I'm up at, at an Augsburg event. Um, I think okay. I've seen Brian on a vehicle, a uh, picture of him on a tailgate, and it's freaking awesome, Josh. Oh, what? Unbelievable. What? Yeah. This is, sounds a picture of him on a tailgate. Yeah. This sounds fantastic. Yeah, like a like a wrap or a vinyl or a, I don't I'm not really sure what. Uh, but yeah, Brian's on there, and it, it's super cool. Oh, and he, I mean, this kid's built like a truck, so the fact that he's on a truck <laughs> it makes sense. It, it makes, makes total sense. sense. It's got to be his younger brother, doesn't it? He actually looks tougher than a truck. It's Brian gotta does. Be. <laughs> so I don't know for sure. Johnny is um, what's he? He's a sophomore, 145 pounds. So he might be like you know coming up through the the Perm ranks in that similar build to his brother Brian or or friend. I don't know. It's got to be. 
yeah, gotta be. I th- we'll, we'll do a little research on that one, um, just out of pure curiosity. Well, as we're as we're talking Augsburg, let's talk about uh, at 172 pounds, Max Hansen, future Augsburg Augie. He bonused his way through the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Good to good to see him having a fun year. Um, Max's dad, Craig, right? Yeah. Yeah, met him at an event at Augsburg. Super excited to have uh, Max and his family coming on board. Um, and, yeah, even he's he's rolling. What's that? Yeah, I said even his dad after well, meeting him. <laughs> especially. <laughs> yeah, oh, Craig is awesome. Yeah, he had a – oh, man, like say, anytime you can bonus your way, you know, he's defending state champs, senior in high school, and just, you know – BBE is their team is tough again this year. That they got to be having a lot of fun out there. Well, was there um, there was an at least an there was another guy or two right pretty highly ranked rolling around in that bracket. I thought there was a potential. I don't remember. Um, yeah, there. Um, now that you say that, I think you know Max would have probably loved to 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 duke it out with Damian Tapio from Rock Ridge. And Tapio got, he was the two seed. He got upset by Mason Bruder in the semis in overtime. Okay. 11 to 9. Score was 11 oh, to 9. That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points for the big guys, man. So I know a lot of pe- a lot of wrestling fans were hoping to see that match, but Bruder said not today. And uh, a nice win for Mason Bruder from Long Prairie, from Long Prairie Gray Eagle Browerville. They saw. Um, that did not, that potential matchup didn't happen, but another one that I, we, I know you and I have talked about, we'd have loved to see on video was 127 pounds, Zach Reamer versus Logan Schwanz. Reamer's currently ranked number two in double A, I'm sorry, in single A. Yep. From Alax and Logan Schwanz is currently ranked number two in double A for Hutch. That would have been a fun match to catch on video just to, to have you know, two number two guys going at it like that. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit earlier, Hutch has always done really well at this tournament. That was a really high-scoring match too, right? Yeah. What What was the – the? was that like 11 and 11 to 9 maybe? Yeah, something like that. Like that. 11 to 10. That was 11 to 10. And that's one of those – you see all those points on the board, and it's like, well, did somebody run out to an 11-1 start? The other guy made a comeback. Was it back and forth the whole time? That's where it would be really nice to click play on a video, right, just to see how that shook out. Yeah, that was a really nice semifinal because Reamer beat Parker Zutter from Pequot Lakes, Pine River Bacchus in the semis, 8-2, and Schwanz beat Raiden Graham. From Howard Lake Waverly, five to one. That there, that was a tough bracket. Yeah. Again, you know, kind of wish we had video, but you don't want to beat a dead horse here. But then let's let's finish out at um, 189 pounds. Al, did you see who the champ was in that bracket? Oh yeah, yes I did. Um, you know, we have not had a chance to talk about this this season on air. Josh, the no, champion there. I know we've met, we've meant to. Yeah. Well, we, look, I mean, it was fairly recent. I think it was a couple weeks ago, maybe uh, December first or end of November, something like that. Um, from Proctor Hermantown, your champion, one hundred eighty pound, eighty nine pounds, was Zach McPhee. Well, that was 
a very nice accomplishment. We'd like to touch on something Zach accomplished earlier this year. We talked about it last year. Yeah. Uh, last year, Zach had wrestled in 13 weight classes, right? Last year, there was 14 weight classes. He wrestled in 13 of them, 106 through 220. Yep. Not only did he wrestled in 13 of them, he'd won matches in 13. That's fairly impressive. It's very impressive. It's hard to actually hit them all, right? Like, as you're growing, how do you catch those on the way by? When you when you go from 120 <laughs> to 152, how do you catch those other three weight classes in the middle? But he did it. On his way through, he not only wrestled, he not only won, he pinned kids at 13 weight classes. <laughs> Un- unheard of. Unheard of. Never heard of before. He had pins at 13 different weight classes. So this year... You can see he's a 189-pounder. Yep. Um, the weight class he did not catch last year or before was heavyweight, right? Certainly a 189-pounder can't wrestle heavyweight, can he? I, I wouldn't think so. Or can he? Well, he... Right? So it, it actually, this might have helped him. Like, the, the weight class change in Minnesota, where um, last year would have been, what, 195 and 220? Yeah. He would have had to weigh 196 or more, depending on the time of year, to be eligible to wrestle 220 and or heavyweight. Yeah. This year, he only had to weigh 189.1 to be eligible to wrestle 215 or heavyweight. And he did wrestle heavyweight, and he did win, and he did get a pin. So Zach McPhee, in his high school career, has wins and pins at 14 different weight classes. He is now. My record keeping is not great. I don't know. Mine is not. Mine is way worse than yours. I don't know that we really need to keep records on this. I I gotta think we'd have heard of it if it had ever been done before. Well, and this is like odd wrestling things like this are one of the few things I actually can retain and and remember kind of well. And I don't remember this ever coming up in conversation before. And we've talked about it, like trying to figure it out, and. When we talked about it last year, we got some feedback from some listeners, and they're like, well, we know this guy did was close. Right. Yeah, maybe a kid in Wisconsin or whatever that wrestled it at all or most of them. But this is the only one that we know of. I, I tell you this what. Is it, a, this is a, a, a very fun and incredible record. It's crazy to me to even to think about. Um, look, I, I had a kid that was that was small mm-hmm. his his seventh and eighth grade year and got big yeah. when he was a senior and he was a good wrestler and look I I mean and what weight was he a senior year? Well, he wrestled one eighty two or one seventy or one ninety five, but yeah, never you know so similar to Zach in size, I guess, right? Yeah, but um, the idea of hitting every weight class on the way through and and getting pins is just Awesome. Oh. It is unbelievable. Not, not just getting wins at each weight. Not, not, just, not wrestling, just wrestling. Not just wrestling each weight class, but and not just getting wins, but getting pins at yeah. all 14. And I remember last year, I actually, you know, I got wind of this, and I'm like, come on. Yeah. Now, now someone's yanking my chain. I spent a little time on track wrestling that day and found uh, a, a pin, a win by pin by Zach at every weight class up through, I think at the time he, he didn't have 220 yet or whatever it was, maybe 195 or 220. But yeah, he had, he had, this is legitimately, he's got pins at 14 weight classes. It's got a, never have been done. Never been done. And it's, to me, it's pretty cool because it's in Proctor Hermantown. Yeah. You know, that, that hockey town. Hockey, you know, yeah. Most people, if you're listening to our show, you're not a hockey fan, but Hermantown is obviously hockey country. 
And even I know that. Yes, even <laughs> Al knows that. He's from Iowa. Right. Like, and I think, I if I remember correctly, I think Zach's dad was instrumental in starting the or either starting the wrestling program at Proctor or helping the wrestling program at Proctor. Because when they were kids in youth wrestling, they wrestled out of um, the North Shore Wrestling Club out of Duluth. Okay, which is crazy to me because. There is no wrestling in Duluth, right. <laughs> but they, they, they are, they're wrestling people. They started a wrestling club up there. Their numbers were good. They, they were competitive. And then I don't know the details exactly how, you know, maybe they always lived in Proctor, but decided to, they wanted to, you know, which is like a suburb of Duluth, right? I think kind of a suburb. Sure. Um, I don't know the, the intricacies of that, but it's, even cooler that it was, you know, kind of a fun record like this, and it happened up in hockey country. Yeah, the heart of hockey yeah. country. <laughs> Love it. Um, that's what I got, Al, for for the Jackhammer in the Redwood River Riot. They both sound like they're outstanding tournaments. Um, yeah. Yeah. I got a little bit left here. Let's we can talk a little Christmas Christmas tournament recap. Sure. Because, you know, we did, uh, as we did our preview show on the Christmas tourney, let's do a little follow-up here. How about, um, Al, what did you think about the, the team that won it this year? Well, I, I tell you this, I got a text, so let's see, this was a Friday-Saturday tournament, right? Mm-hmm. And so pre-seeds probably came out Thursday night, and, and seeds came out Friday morning. What time did wrestling start Friday? 10 or something? 11? I think noon. I think noon. noon. So it was maybe, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half. No wrestling had been done yet. And I got a text from a guy I know that said, Moundsview might win this thing. And I was like, wow. So I go look, and I'm like, I start at the top for no good reason. I started at heavyweight and worked my way down. And I'm like, they had like four or five top four seeds in the first five or six weight classes I looked at. I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I get it. Well, the the guy that texted me was you, yeah, and you were right. It pained me. Boy, oh boy, did they? Yeah, right. Because the who won it last year? The Simley Spartans. Do you know any? Yeah, Simley Spartans won it last year, and going into the into the tournament, you knew that Moundsview was going to be a problem. Well, so and now this is one thing that I I really liked about about the the people you know the the guys running the tournament and the good people at the Gopher Wrestling Club. They released the auto seeds on Thursday night. Yep. And, you know, gave us a chance to just give me a chance to look through the brackets and kind of get a picture of where guys were going to be. And, you know, I know things can change. You know, yep. you know, a guy might miss weight or a guy might get sick and things will, you know, shuffle a little bit. And that happens for sure. But taking that into consideration, it also, as soon as I saw them come out, I sent about 10 text messages and say, auto seeds are out. You know, and then it, it creates a bunch of conversation. Right. And it, it makes it just a little bit more fun. But as I was going through the auto seeds and, and looking at um, kind of where guys laid out in the brackets and this and that, and I, I thought Simley had a, a, a very legitimate chance at um, winning again. Sure. But kind of kind of thought they had to have two champs and nine placers. Okay. And that that's very, very tough to do at this tournament. It is very tough. And as I'm looking at Moundsview's Moundsview's seeds and, and knowing the kids and, and have you know, they've, yeah. they've all wrestled for a long time. I was right. like, 
wait a minute, they can have nine placers and two champs. Yeah. And I was like, I don't really like the math on that. No. So I actually texted uh, a friend from Miles. I'm like, you guys got a chance. This was on Thursday night. You got a chance to win this thing. And, and I don't like it. Simley's more of a tech fall team and Mousy's more of a pinning team. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about that. I mean, it depends on the day, but the, uh, yeah, Mousy has a, they're well built for this tournament. And then I, yeah, I texted you on, on Friday morning, like, you ain't gonna believe this, but Mousy might, Mousy could win this. Right. And last year when I was doing a little homework on the, on the history of the tournament and I called Marty Morgan, who's an assistant coach at Mousy, and he was extremely helpful to me on the history of, of the tournament. Yeah. But Mousy wasn't competing in the tournament. And I thought, oh my God, that's kind of weird because they they had some firepower last year. Sure. So I asked him, like, one of the last I'm like, how come you guys aren't wrestling in this? He's like, yeah, probably should be. Um, but, you know, what's done is done. We're not. So we'll be there next year. And yeah, they came this year. And yes, they, they did. They, yes, they did. And they <laughs> freaking won the thing. I'll talk about the number as we were as we were kind of keeping a track on them, keeping track of them on day one. What? Adam? Oh well, I so I started looking after the first session, right? So after the a quarter of the tournament, roughly, right? First session, first day, from 149 through heavyweight, right? Just the big guys for the most part, middle and big guys. They were 13 and one with 10 pins. In a pin is worth two bonus points in addition to whatever else you get. And, and whatever else you get, I guess, by the way, it's a half a point for winning the backside, a point for winning the front side. You get twice as many points for a pin as you do for winning your match. So you triple your po- team points by getting a pin. And they got 10 out of 14 uh, opportunities for pins in those bigger ways yeah, on, just, uh, in the first session. They were just partying. They just rolled, oh, man. Oh, my gosh. And... You know, congrats to them. You know, I know um, a lot of people more than myself like to see a new uh, uh, a new champ. You know, as their first time winning the tournament, and you know they also had two. They had they had three guys in the finals, and they had two champs. That um, Brett Swenson at 114 pounds was Moundsview's first ever, I believe. Now I tried to fact check this the best to the best of my ability. But I believe Brett Swenson is Monzu's first ever individual champ at the Christmas tournament. And then Quinn Morgan at 215 pounds was their second, right? 215? Yeah. Yeah, so they, um, congrats to those guys and congrats to the Monzu Mustangs. That are just an awesome tournament. And man, their guys, they, sh- they showed up and they wrestled really well. And, and just, Josh, as you were walking through that, I did a quick peek at some statistics, and Simley had five times as many tech falls as Moundsview at this tournament. Moundsview had 17 falls, and Simley had 13 falls. So my little historical uh, factoid of Moundsview being pinners versus tech fall, at least in this one instance, it looks like it held up a bit. You, you and your numbers, I mean, no one even listens to that. <laughs> like... That was a that they had a great tournament. They they, they really did. did. They, and, and you could see them feed off each other, oh, right? As the tournament went time. on, they kept winning. They kept like, you know, they believed they were going to win, and they they made it happen. Like they were. It, it it's fun to watch a team that gets 
hot like that and is having that much fun and wrestling that well. And, and they really were, and they, they were, you know, as you've seen them sitting together. And it started out at 107 pounds with Moundsview's own LaRose versus Simley's Turner Ross. Yeah. Simley, we ended up winning that match. And I thought, okay, here we go. Well, then at 114, um, Austin Jervinsky ended up losing in the le- you know at the the, the very the end. very end to Brett Swenson and I was like oh uh, that wasn't okay well it's you know they just um, Brett wasn't you know I know it, it's it's hard when you watch your teammate lose just before you wrestle but he ended up pulling it off at the end and and like I said the, again congrats to those guys they had a fantastic tournament and uh Chris rode him out right on top in the second period yeah like it was everything so similarly won the first head-to-head matchup at 107 the match started out nobody got a takedown in the first period and um Swenson went down and got rode out and so all of a sudden it's like wow you can feel the momentum coming it's building for for Simley there and then Swenson had had enough of it and yeah got that um that late score to lock it up. Yeah, that was um, that was a bummer. Good grass to Moundsview. The Mustangs they had a fantastic tournament. Um, and like I said, they were they were very involved, very active, and they they showed up and they wrestled awesome. And so did and many other teams. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, Let's well hang on a second, Al. Let me see if I can find if I can find the results from let's just go let's just look at the top ten teams here. Okay, in tenth place was Hastings. Number in ninth was Elbert Lee. Eighth was Stillwater, seventh Scott West, sixth Watertown Mayor, fifth Shockby, fourth Cass and Manorville, third was St. Michael Albertville, second was Simley, and first was Moundsville. Then it does you know what really kind of stands out to me the most there as we look at those teams? Sixth and seventh place. Yeah. Water, yeah. Watertown Mayor took sixth, and Scott West took seventh. They're in the same Two section. pretty strong teams. going to be. <laughs> yeah. That should be fun for those guys come, and fun for wrestling fans come the end of the year. Well, let's be honest. Simley and Casson fans probably like just wipe the sweat off the brow and look and say, "Well, have fun, Watertown and Scott West. We don't have to, right?" Because for years, Simley and Scott West wrestled each other in section finals. Simley and Casson, yes. Sim- Simley yes. Casson, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, they're they're probably right. They're yeah, they're enjoying this a little bit. Yep, you guys go have fun. We did it for we did it for a, for a, a good amount, and it's your turn. Um, as we roll into some more individual performances, Woodbury, they had a champ in their first ever appearance at the Christmas tournament. We heard Dennis Lemire announce this when we were doing play-by-play, and we weren't real sure. We had to double-check it. I didn't believe it, because Woodbury's had some good kids in the, you know, over the years, for sure. Yeah, and we thought, well, they, they had to have been here before, but like that, well, maybe they just meant their first champ ever. Right. But no, they had a champ in their first ever Christmas tournament. Not only a champ, but uh, that 145-pound, right, you're talking about yeah. about Alex Braun? Yes. Uh, that weight class had, like, three nationally ranked guys. Oh, weight class was tough. Right? It had, uh, who did he beat in the finals? Jack Nelson from yeah. Mound. Yeah, and Charmoli was in that bracket? Yeah, Jack beat, Nelson beat Charmoli in the semis. 
So all three of those guys are nationally ranked. In a match that Jack was happy went six minutes and not five minutes and 57 seconds, right? Well, and Jack did that. <laughs> yes, Jack did that in, in his quarterfinal match against Jaden Howder. from did, LA too. right? In the last 10 seconds of both those matches, he pulled it off. Yeah, you heard. He was very happy they got the full six minutes. Yeah. the But Braun just, what a fantastic tournament. And, and, and Jack had a great tournament. Charmoli had a great tournament. That bracket was just was, nasty. Right. But, yeah, Woodbury, congrats to them, their first champ, Alex Braun. And um, I was told that during the championship match, when we were doing play-by-play, I actually said I called Alex Austin Brown. Braun, which there was an Austin there Braun. Was an Austin it was Braun. one from Woodbury. He's from Looks like Alex. Looks like Alex. He's his older brother. Alex, I apologize for that. Um, Austin, I'm sure you're not too bummed out, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, Austin is one of the kids I thought of immediately when I'm like, they had kids that were so um, you know high level, right? Christmas tournament. The 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 thing is, you've you've kind of got to have at least one guy that could win it or two or three guys that could place in the top four or five to get invited. Like they just don't, it's not a tournament where they want to have 85 teams, right? It's a big tournament, but they want to have the absolute best kids in the state wrestle. And, um, Austin was one of those guys that was in that mix. Like he was one of the guys that could help Woodbury get invited to this sort of tournament. If, you know, but Tough it just never animals. happened, apparently. Tough and explosive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, how about this one, Al? This one, this one kind of hits close to home for you. Farmington has their first champ slash champs. And their second. Their first and their second. Yeah. Yes. So Farmington, right, we've talked about them over the years, and we'll continue to do so. Um, they, uh, <clears throat> they've certainly had some good kids roll through here. Um Taylor Vans, Victor Gleva, guys that have, have made deep runs in this tournament, but they've never had a champ. And they had, um, at 139 pounds, Davis Perro won a very close match against Parker Lydon in the finals. Davis had, I'm trying to remember the score, we had a semifinals match too. Um, Davis had a, a really competitive semifinals and finals match. Oh, I know it was. It was uh, Warren from... Shakopee in the semifinals. Warren came out and scored first, and Davis kept his composure, worked his way back in, into the lead, won that match, um, looked really good this weekend. Um, And then up at 189 pounds, right, not only did Cole Hunlindemeyer win that that bracket, but um, that was a, a match. The finals of that bracket were two nationally ranked kids, right? Um, yes, the Colt beat Marco Christensen, go big red, in the finals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Marco actually scored first, and Cole ended up uh, coming back and, and winning that match. Um, I think he maybe took him down to his back late, but uh, that was a, a, a high-paced match for big guys, um, competitive. So, yeah, Farmington had their first and second champs. Well, and... Like I think we had the we were lucky enough we got to do Perro's semifinal match. Yep. Davis Perro versus Connor Warren. Right. Um, for wrestling fans, if you're looking to go back and just watch a, a pretty entertaining match, that that's one that I would definitely go check. I mean, and maybe turn the volume down. So you don't have to listen <laughs> to us. But that was a that was a very 
very oh, yeah. high paced match, and man, it was fun. Well, and and stick with Farmington in the semis. Cole's match was across yes. across from us. He was wrestling Marcel Booth, probably yeah. right from Valley. Yep. And um, so you know, as we're calling whatever semifinals on our mat, we see on the backside across uh, the arena, we see Cole wrestling Marcel, and that match was super tight. I think Cole scored late in that. To, to win the match, so um, right at the very yeah, end, super good composure, um, and we saw that. Look, Cole and, and Davis, two Farmington kids, showed it well. But we saw a bunch of kids that that got scored on or were in tough matches and kept their composure and didn't get flustered and um, and had big wins this weekend. It was oh, you know, as we talk about that Han Lindemeyer, Marco Christensen match. We got to throw out another little sponsorship here, Al. Okay. You know, we obviously, I'm in charge of the marketing department for the Alan Josh show, and I you don't I, actually do it, but you're in charge of the department. Yeah, it's so like I, so I talk to the IT guys, you talk to the marketing yes, guys, yeah. and gals. That's it. I mean, try and manage them. Right. Um, it's a large department to keep track of. But it you, is. A, you do it. Is, it is. It's. I mean, it's a hefty workload, but we kind of were working on a deal with another sponsor here, and. Matt's side with Marco. So for those of you, for our listeners that have TikTok, go check out Matt's side with Marco. And um, so I don't have TikTok. However, I've got Google. Okay. And I Googled it. And um, I was able to play a, uh, one of these TikTok things without logging into anything. And it was um, a bunch of interviews that Marco did bef- between the semis and the finals at the Christmas tournament. At the Christmas tournament. One of the interviews he did, and, and they're not, it's like they're um, like two short questions, right? Not big interviews. But one of the people he talked to was his opponent in the finals, Cole Hunt-Lindemeyer. Yeah. Right? So like these two, we talked about their friends, their wrestling partners. They went and duked it out in the finals. But like before they wrestled, Marco put a honey bottle in front of Cole's mouth as a microphone and asked him a couple of questions. It was pretty entertaining. Yeah, he does a, <laughs> does a great job with kind it. Got some behind-the-scenes stuff. And it's it's fun. I mean, it like, it is pretty entertaining to go check out and just to see, like, we we mentioned, like, you know, these guys, they train together. And, and not just these two. You know, there's lots of matches. And yeah, lots absolutely. Of like, we can go, you know, we could use, we could talk Marco and, and Cole. They train together at Pinnacle. Or we can talk Luke... Luke Coonan and Blake Beisel, they train together at Min Elite. There's lots of examples like that. And it's I think it's quite a bit different than it was years ago because they know each other so well. They know each other's wrestling tendencies so well. And they they become, you know, they're they're friends because of the the ability to communicate through Snapchat and TikTok and social media and with cell phones. That some of their best friends are from different schools. And it, like, go check out Matt's side with Marco, and just look at some of the interviews he like. Look at the look at the interviews he did at the Christmas tournament. It, they're they're pretty fun. Like, and it just kind of goes to show you, like, when these guys do go go walk out to to duke each other, duke it out in the championship match. You know, Jed Western, Bryce Burkett's another example. Yeah, those guys. They, I mean, man, they wrestled hard, hard and oh, physical. Yeah. And when they were done, they like they gave themselves like the bro hug and embraced. Because they train together, you know, like they and they've they've done this a lot in the practice room, and um, 
that's kind of an interesting evolution of the sport, I think, is, is how close some of these guys get with opponents from different schools. Yeah. Yeah, and Marco, I think Jed was one of the kids that Marco made his rounds with. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so Matt side with Marco. Matt. Yep, Matt side with Marco. On TikTok. On TikTok, yep. And or you can Google and see some of the content. Yeah, yep. That <laughs> For those of you who don't have TikTok, Al, doesn't want the Chinese getting into his phone or whatever it is. <laughs> As if they're not there already, yeah, right? Yeah, they're there. <laughs> okay, well then, let's keep rolling here. The heavyweight bracket, Al. What would you think of that? Oh, boy. <laughs> boy, oh, boy, right? So... Um, we did our preview. You had a little inside info when we recorded. It wasn't public yet that we were going to be down one guy. Um, but we had um, we had two nationally ranked guys. Is Will Sather nationally? I feel he like won he it last be. year. I think he, he should he, be he, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like so be. we had we got two for sure. Right, the top two seeds are certainly nationally ranked. Um, the the th- was Will the three seed, right? He was a returning champion. And then there was uh, one of the Mirasolas um, from Wisconsin was projected to be in the bracket, and he's nationally ranked. Um, so super, super loaded bracket. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, just the one seed, one seed has never lost in high school. Never. Right? Coy Hopkins never taken a loss in high school. He's re- and, and he's won um did he win a world title? He did. Yeah. yeah he won like a like a U seventeen world title. Yeah. And he and he's been to, you know, Pan Ams in different places, you know, got a ton of success. He's a future gopher, right? Yeah. Um yeah, Coy never lost a match. Not a great big heavyweight. But size wise. Size wise. When you say not a great yeah, he's not giant yeah. yet. Correct, yeah. Replace great big with giant. He's not a giant heavyweight, um, but he's wrestled a bunch of big kids, right? Like, he knows how to wrestle big kids. Well, the the guy that Sather had in the semifinals is uh, Navarro Shunky, yeah. who's not going to wrestle in college, not because he's um, incapable of wrestling after high school, but because he's going to play Division One offensive line for Kansas State. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm sure uh, Coach Chris Kleiman down there is super fired up to get him uh, on campus. Navarro, well, after seeing his athleticism in that in that championship match, or even the semifinal match, we're, we didn't do we didn't do his and, and Will's match. It was cross. They were way, cross but, right. But didn't we see him hit like a low single? Yeah, yeah, like, below the knees, like an ankle, almost almost like to a hip with an ankle and and gathered the the other ankle with it like a very like something you'd be pretty impressed with 172 pounder hitting um and navarro looks like he's gotta watch what he eats to make 285 he's a big kid oh i'm i know he does there's there's proof of it out there because um somewhere along the lines he did like an interview at the tournament and they said you know one of the questions was what was he looking forward to most to like over christmas break pizza ranch it was being able to eat (laughs) I mean, he yeah, he literally <laughs> cut down to 285. I mean, he is huge, but but agile and nimble, like I mean, yeah. So so you go into this and you're like, okay, you got this giant kid, like he's a full size 285 and stuff, but he's wrestling a guy that is ranked number one in the country, not at heavyweight, but like pound for pound number one in the country. Like he's Koi Hopke, never lost in high school, on and on. 
felt like we were kind of robbed. Like if Mirasola would have showed up, we'd have had these awesome semis, you know, with a Hopke Sather and a Shunky um, Mirasola, but it didn't work out well. As it turns out, they ended the tournament with that match. Oh, man. Fairly good decision. Um, it was it was one of the most impressive displays of... So it, it kind of, in some ways, just vaguely reminded me of like um, the Simley-Apple Valley duel years ago, right? With Gable Steveson and Greg Kirkfleet wrestling. Just because it was two of the biggest names in the country and, and Gable was the bigger name and he won that match and, you know, whatever. But Greg like it, give it up a little bit of weight. Mm. It was, he, yeah. It was um, it, it, it was a very high-level match. Like, it was talked about nationally, rightfully so, even before uh, Shunky won. I guess I spoiled the beans here, right? Well, like, sh- no, but, I mean, not really. Shunky won, was it 2-1? to one? And yep. w- with 30 seconds left, Hopke rips, like, a, gets in on a, on a head-inside single. Oh, man. And, I mean, has Shunky dead to rights. Chunky's hopping around. So this is a 285, probably by this time, 295-pound kid that has wrestled one of the most athletic kids in the country for six or five and a half minutes. Yep. And and Hoppy gets his leg up in the air. So now Chunky, after all that other effort, and keep the second period, Josh, the ride that Hopke put on Chunky, do you remember that? Yeah, like, like he, a minute, he rolled a tour It was like a minute 52. And, and, and I mean, and Shunky was working on bottom. He, he was, worked the entire time. He literally, he was working the entire time, but Hopke was just, just tough on top. Yeah. And, and, but it was a straight up ride. And you don't see, you don't see heavyweights that get ridden, great big heavyweights that get ridden for a minute and 45 seconds that have any energy left. <laughs> You're like, rarely, rarely. No, no matter what kind of athlete they are. And, um, so in that second period, Hopke's on top, rides him for most of the period. Each each guy gets called for stalling, right? Rightfully so. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think who got called first? Hopke got called first, maybe? I don't uh, remember I which one was, was first. I, I thought it was maybe no, Shunky. Yeah, Shunky was underneath, got called first. He was kind of bellied out at one point. Um, and it, it, he got called, and then a little bit later, Hopke got called. I thought both calls were fair. Yep. Good calls. So... Typical sidetrack there. Um, Shunky gets gets rode hard in the second period, gets away super late. So he gets his escape. There's Scramble. no ride time in high school. Um, and, and on we go to the third period. Well, at the very end of the match, after Shunky exerted all that energy in the first period, hand fighting and, and battling, second period, trying to get out, trying to get trying to get out. Third period, they're up. Hopke's got Shunky's leg up in the air, and Shunky's done. Like, he takes two hops, and then all of a sudden his leg's made of concrete. And you could just see, like, if you watch or or remember, like, the first couple of changes early in the match and then this last one, like, Shunky went from, like, hopping around like a 121-pounder to looking like a heavyweight, right? Like, the amount of energy exerted was huge, but he's, like, starting to His leg's starting to get 17 wrestling shoes got heavy. (laughs) <laughs> and the the clock was ticking slower and slower and slower. And then what was it? Right at the end, Hopke came close to close to finishing, right? 
but Chunky did not put a hand down, and then time ran out. Um, it it was it was a pretty bonkers oh. match. Yeah, and like just like literally as his hand touched the mat and could be a takedown, time was time was done. Right, like right. And it was like, oh my gosh, that was wow. I'm glad they saved that match for the end because that was yeah. Well, you know, and there's always a discussion at tournaments like that, like what mat. What, what match do we end on? Yeah. And um, it's always fun to end on a big match. And yeah. it, every one of those 28 wrestlers or this year, 26 wrestlers, is, uh, they're hammers. They can handle being the feature end match or the first match, whatever. Um, and they just kind of said, you know, we're just going to run it straight up. And uh, it rightfully it so. It did not disappoint. It did not no. disappoint. It was, you know, look, I had a blast calling those finals matches, but um, I felt like in – you know, in the last 30 seconds, I almost forgot what I was doing, and they, they still had the headphones on us or the microphone on us, but, like, Ooh. I was just fired up. Yeah, it was such just, an exciting exchange and, and uh, sequence. We just kind of became fans there, yeah. like, watching it. And um, I got to give give a shout-out to, you know, the Gopher Wrestling Club. I thought they did a fantastic job of, of running the tournament. I thought Eric's... Eric Strauch did a great job with track wrestling, and Dennis Lemire did an uh, awesome job running the PA. Like, I mean, yeah, for sure. As I thought, just a really fun environment, super tough tournament. You know, I said it last year with Coy Biskins and Zach Hansen; they were they were just on another level. Yep. And um, you know, well. That's kind of how it is for Landon Robidu and Alex Braun right now. They prove Man, that. Man, those like, two looked good. Yeah, like, wow. a, holy smokes. But as good as they looked, and as I say that, i got to give a shout-out to Cooper Rowe from Mound, West Tonka. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he took Robidu down. I think he, in the third period late. Yeah, like, I mean, I we were, so we were on the other side. We the so other we side. Yeah, I remember that now. Um, and, you know, sometimes you'll see... Uh, matches come out and and it's kind of a lopsided you know projection or ranking or whatever and uh, maybe the underdog gets an early takedown maybe they have a like a quick shot or they they respond to getting cut or you know something kind of semi fluky whatever um, you know situation this was in the third period I think right it was later maybe. Towards the end of the second or it, the third. Yeah, but it definitely wasn't right off the whistle like a weird thing. It was no, like no. a legitimate takedown after after Land Landon had kind of got into his groove. Yeah, yep. He was he was grooving and I mean he maybe maybe bonus point everyone he wrestled last year, maybe everyone except for one. And was looking to do that again this year. And Cooper I can Rose, believe it. Cooper Rose said not uh uh-uh. not today. I think the score was nine to five. Yeah, and, very impressive. Say so we didn't get to watch the match because we're on the other side of the arena, but um, I, if that's worth sharing, because that's that was really impressive from Cooper, but Landon and and Alex still like they they're just kind of they're they're on a little different level, and as as many good matches were, and Braun got the OW right. He did. That's I mean he had. A, you know you can't argue. There there was a number of kids. Um, you know well. A lot of kids, right? Maybe 13 of them could have got it. But yeah. uh, you could argue at heavyweight, that was really deep. But at, at 145 pounds where Braun was, there was three nationally ranked guys, right? And he came out and bonused his way through it. Like, you can't argue. He he looked the part of OW. Well, and, you know, one thing that as you, as you that's for sure he looked the part of OW, but 
he wrestled Colin Carlson in the semis, I want to say. We teched him. He was up 16 to 3 in the like the first period. Yeah, and this is high school, two point takedowns and three point near fall. It's yeah, not... that was <laughs> I mean Colin is is tough, man. That yeah, he te- he teched him. Like I say, I I know he had put up at least 16 points in that in that first period. And it was like, holy smoke. Okay. And that's after Collins coming off a tech fall where he tech falled Caden Nichols from Becker, who's no slouch either. He's a state finalist. Yeah, he was I, probably seated in front of Conlon. Yeah. Yes. That, <laughs> I mean, that bracket was nasty. That was... Um, and the Gopher Wrestling Club did a great job uh, hosting that tournament. And you know what? They... Um, I didn't get to go in person last year. I watched everything online. Um, they had an O2 bracket and a 1-2 bracket. Yeah, right? I mean, so they had two extra tournaments running in that in that arena. Um, and the guys, you know, Eric and, and the folks had to make sure that all went off without a hitch. So as impressive as it was, the stuff we saw and the stuff we watched and all the, you know, the big matches and all that, like the... The tournament ran great, and it was three tournaments. They had two extra little side tournaments that they managed to pull off flawlessly. Yeah. So, yeah, big shout-out to uh, all the folks involved with running that. Um, Al, that's about where I'm at on my notes. Uh, my chicken scratch here, do you have? You still have notes? Well, I mean... Yeah, no, so, <clears throat> look, that that's all I've got. I, I Like I say... I'm super happy I got to go watch some high school wrestling in person. It was a lot of fun. Um, had one of the best seats in the house. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, we've mm. got good stuff going on. So, as we wind down here, let's give a shout-out. I'm going to revert back to our sponsors and just a few okay. shout-outs here. The good people at General Sports. Seriously, you're looking for apparel and you're and you're you know what and you're looking for for health and rehab right now get a hold of again invoke invoke right you know that it's a great time of year to go visit him he's a he's an ex-wrestler who knows the demands of the sport and, and how, how tough it can be um todd hansen morgan and trust realty now this one this is a sponsor that's kind of getting short this year because we don't have any snow ashcon mavaria state farm insurance you know, there is not nearly as many fender benders as there has been in the past. Right. But give this guy a call and ask him for the wrestling discount. I'm telling you, every wrestling person I know has has called him up. And, you know, they've they've gotten a few quotes from him. And they just couldn't be happier with him as an insurance agent. Yeah, Ash is my guy. I switched to him a couple of years ago, and I, it's been awesome. My cheap-ass brother-in-law donut switched to him. Whoa. Yeah, like, I mean, that's that's hard to believe, isn't it? Um so give Ashcon Mavaria State Farm Insurance a call. Uh, check out, you know, Matt's side with Marco. Who else am I missing here now? The Gopher Wrestling Club. Those guys, you know, um, thanks for taking care of us and letting us help out with the with the Minnesota Christmas tournament. And um, that might be a – am I missing anyone else? I don't think so. Um, don't be afraid to sponsor a ref. Yeah, seriously. We ask – we ask because we, we think it, it's really important, and the numbers prove it's Yeah, important. absolutely. Like the, the sport is growing, and let's continue to help it grow, and we just need more officials. Yep, and more need, wrestlers, more officials. And, and more sponsors. Um, 
That's kind of where, wait, one last thing. When do you think we get together again? Because this, I do hear this a lot. People are like, you know, people are curious. Well, um, I don't know what to tell you for sure. We don't, so. It's Wednesday, we got Christmas, Monday, Tuesday, we, Monday. When, when are you going to, when are you going to. I am heading to Cedar Falls, Iowa for national duels, which, by the way, if you got nothing going on January 5th and 6th, um, everything except for D1 is going on in uh, in Cedar Falls there at the Unidome. Am I wrong on the dates, Josh? Give no, me a look. No, I think you're right. But I don't know. Am I at the Cheesehead? Uh, I don't know for sure. But it, but it is outside of D1. Everybody's there. There's uh, the D2 national um dual tournament is there last year we watched you mary and st cloud state a bunch of local kids wrestle for those guys d3 is there all all those schools there's juco there's some girls there's individual brackets so um cedar falls is not too far away it's only a few hours and that's a it's an awful fun weekend of wrestling if um you got nothing else going on i think you're probably in action before that right in eau claire yeah, we're at the Eau Claire Duels, the Old Abe Duels next um, next Thursday, I want to say. But yeah, so so January, okay, so January fifth and sixth is the Cheesehead. That's when you're at the National Duels. That's yep. also the Clash. So it, it would be nice if we could get together and do a preview show for the Clash and the National Duels and and mix in a little Cheesehead too. Yeah, um, I like it. We'll I like fi- it. We'll figure that out off air, and um, hopefully we gave our listeners a little, enough content to, to get them through to our next show. And at, at least for a little of uh, a little treadmill time or whatever these folks like to do when yeah. they're listening to us. Yeah, and if, if you like what we're doing, um, give us a like on... <laughs> Look at... I don't even know. I mean, I don't... Give us a follow, a like, smash that like. Is that what they say? No, that's on YouTube. We don't have YouTube. We don't have YouTube. Give us a like. Because people don't want to see this. Give us a they follow just... on Twitter. Yeah, give us a, give us a, on X. Right? Oh, like... yeah, that's right, on X. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, I think that's all we got. Yeah. We will, we'll get this out, and we will get back together. We'll, uh, everybody have a great, safe, happy Christmas holiday, and uh, we'll get some out for the Cheesehead National Duels um clash clash uh yeah and if you're interested in the bi-state in the years past i've i've joined um guys from the wisconsin yeah yeah teague fenwick from the wisconsin wrestler podcast and and sat in with them and tried to give a little minnesota flavor to that to their podcast so you can catch that one yeah, well, that's a good reason to follow us on Twitter. Um, when Whenever they get Josh online for that, that'll probably be a remote episode. Um, we'll make sure to retweet and like or whatever. So uh, follow us on Twitter. You can catch that, that preview as well. Perfect. All right, well, uh, good talk, and we'll uh, see you soon, Josh. Sounds good. Well, another great podcast. Great podcast. Time for the end of show wrap. Minnesota Wrestling Representing. Alan Josh is the podcast show. Just two guys that's in the know. Bringing the wrestling news episodes. You can sit and listen or hear on the go. Voices is smooth. Podcast is free. Many platforms for downloading. Minnesota wrestling. Alvin, Josh, Raymond, report the scene. High school, college, women, youth. Minnesota.
episode of wrestling is for you live from the kitchen i mean studio two can't wait for the next one stay tuned